Well, today is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Um, being Youth Sunday, we get to have our students try and fill as many different spots in the church that we can. And so I really enjoy that. Nothing makes my heart happier than getting to see them serve. And so, you know, we've had, we've got quite a few. We've got a couple in the back. We've had them serving communion, welcoming. We have them on the stage. They did a great job. And we even have quite a few back in the children's area who've been helping out this morning too. And so um, I want to encourage you guys, if you see a student this morning, um, you know, appreciate them and encourage them and serving in the church and because it's a blessing to have them. So this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about heritage. And here's kind of the definition we'll be working with. I got this straight from Merriam-Webster. So it's something transmitted by or acquired from a predecessor. Um, some other words that can be used are legacy or inheritance. But essentially, it boils down to uh, this morning, what are we passing down to the next generation? And specifically, I want to talk about how this plays out in our families. What are you passing down to your kids, grandkids, or others in your family? Uh, something we were told a lot in college um, is that our number one ministry is our family. Above all, that is our, our number one ministry. And for me, I give a lot of credit to where I'm at today because of the heritage I received from my own family. But in the Bible, we see uh, that heritage is incredibly important. All the way in the New Testament, we see the Jews talking about the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, people who played critical roles and where the future generations would end up. So I wanted to look at one of those stories this morning. So if you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis being the first book of the Bible. We're going way back to the beginning. Chapter 2. 22. I said 22? I can't remember. Okay. Uh, now, to fully appreciate this passage, we need to understand what's taken place before this. So God came, wow, that was loud. God came to this guy named Abram, and he said, hey, if you follow me and go to this other land, I will uh, be a blessing for you. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. It seems like quite a big decision from what we see. But what's amazing is, in the very next verse, uh, Abram goes. He gets up, he collects his things, and he goes off to this land. And so, um, one of the most important things uh, that God promised Abram was to make him into a great nation which isn't just through random people, but through Abram's offspring. And so time passes. God changes his name to Abraham, but he has no children. Abraham goes through some periods of doubt because both him and his wife pass through the stages of being able to have kids. And still, God has not provided any offspring for them. But, as we know in this story, when Sarah... His wife was 90 years old, and Abraham himself, 100 years old, she became pregnant with their son, Isaac, um, which we read in scripture means laughter, because 
Uh, Sarah laughed when God told her that she was going to be pregnant in her old age. I would probably laugh too. And God has now given Sarah and Abraham something they have always wanted. And then so begins to provide on the promise that he made to Abraham to make him into a great nation. And this is where we begin our story um, in Genesis chapter 22. It says there, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. If you can't tell, this is a staggering request. At this point, there is nothing more important to Abraham than his son. Not only is this the only offspring that he, is, he, he and his wife have had, but again, it is through this son that God was to keep his promise in making him into a great nation. And despite this uh, just ridiculous request of God, in correlation to when God first called him, here's what we see Abraham's response to be. In verse three, it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. He had cut enough wood for the burnt offering and he set out for the place God had told him about. What we see is unlike some other people in the Bible, uh, there is zero hesitation from Abraham in doing what God has asked of him. Continuing in verse four, it says, and on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And sometimes, you know, this is just one verse, but I think, you know, if, I, if I'm going on this journey, it's one thing to, you know, to get up the next morning and I'm going to do this, but then to, to go about it for three days, walking with your son and two servants, knowing exactly what's going to happen when you get to the end of this three days, to be able to have to think about that. Not only did Abraham immediately do what God had asked him, but he remained faithful through those three days. And we see that he will be faithful to God's request. In verse five, he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the, I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. Now, I apologize that I keep stopping but there's some really important things to note in these two verses. Number one, we see every indication that Abraham is going to go through with sacrificing his son. And so what's interesting here, if he has every indication of sacrificing his son, killing his son, then why does he say there in verse five, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. To me, this is amazing proof of the faith that God had, that Abraham had in God. He knew that even if he did sacrifice his son, that it would not detour God from delivering on his promise that would come through Isaac. And the second thing we should understand here is although Abraham is calling Isaac a boy, that does not necessarily mean that Isaac was a young child. Growing up, hearing this story, I always thought of Isaac being around five or six. But Abraham 
gave him the wood to carry, which would have been enough to completely consume whatever was sacrificed on it. Now, me and my dad split a lot of wood when I was young, and there's no way I would be able to carry that much wood at five or six. And so some scholars suggest that at this point, Isaac could be in his 20s or even early 30s, which changes the way we see this story. And so if we continue on in that passage of scripture, as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there, and he ranged the wood on it, and he bound his son. And he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. The reason knowing that Isaac was not a small child changes the way we see this story is because we see no instance of him resisting his father and tying him up and placing him on the altar. Abraham being 100 years old um, or older at this point, if um, Isaac had grown, um, would would have been easily overpowered by his son. But what we see is Isaac submitting trusting his father, and having faith in God. As Abraham is about to sacrifice his son, we see this. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son, And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. And he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You see, the most important thing Abraham ever gave Isaac had nothing to do with worldly possessions. But it was that he showed him what it meant to be obedient to God. It wasn't just Isaac who benefited from this, but generations to generation to this very day, Jewish people have looked to the example of Abraham. The heritage that they received from him was that of a faithfulness to God. And this morning, I want to make it as clear as possible that the greatest heritage, inheritance, legacy that you can leave for your family is that of a faithfulness to God. Uh, this Bible uh, sitting beside me on this table, uh, it was my grandpa's Bible. I got it after he passed away my senior year of high school. I have a lot of fun memories of my grandpa. Uh, one of them happened on Easter 
All of my cousins, my brother and I, we were having a huge water fight at one of my relatives' house. We all had super soakers, and we were running around causing crazy havoc, as kids would. And one of my aunts, being a little mischief, mischievous, told us we should all tag team our grandpa. We should have known not to listen. <laughs> being young, young and dumb, we listened to her, and she went around, and she happened to lock all the doors to the house, so he had nowhere to escape. And all at once, we ganged up on my grandpa and soaked him, head to toe. And it was one of those moments where as soon as you do it, you realize it was a huge mistake. What we didn't realize was that my grandpa had not had a chance to change out of his nice Easter suit. Furious, he tracked us all down, every single one of us. I've yet to this day seen someone run so fast in cowboy boots. He took our squirt guns, broke them over his knee, and told us that the next time we ever went to his house, he was going to throw us in the horse tank. Which, for us, was horrifying, because this wasn't just some nice, clean, galvanized tank that got the water refilled all the time. No, this was a concrete cube that had the water sitting in it for probably years, had moss covered and other gross things that I can't even imagine. And so as kids, we were horrified, and I really don't think I went to my grandpa's house for months after that. But again, it was my senior year uh, that he would pass away. I remember being in the hospital in Omaha after his initial aneurysm. He had just woken up for the first time, and it was kind of hard to understand him as he was coming back to, and um, there was two things that he was worried about. One was for his horses. Being a cowboy his whole life, horses were one of his biggest passions in life. And the other was for the church. He was an elder at my home church and he wanted to make sure it was gonna be taken care of. And a couple days later, due to some complications, he would pass away. And so what inspired this sermon this morning was a message uh, that my grandma, who passed away before I was born, wrote in the Bible. In the front of it, it says, to help you help us, love Joanne. This Bible isn't just a symbol of the faithfulness of my grandpa, but also of my grandma, who I never even met. And although I never met her, I know her faithfulness impacted my parents, which now impacts me and my siblings, and impacts my niece, my nephew, and someday soon, my own daughter. How do we leave a heritage like Abraham did, or the different people in our lives many of us have been impacted by? I think the answer is found in the last couple verses of passage of the, in the Genesis, that's 17 and 18. God says, I will surely bless you, make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Show the people in your life your obedience to God, and you will leave a heritage of faithfulness. This can take shape in many different ways. Does your family see you taking time out of your day to study your Bible? 
Do they see you making a conscious effort to spend time in prayer? Do your actions outside of church match your actions inside of church? For what types of things are you willing to miss church on a Sunday morning? Something we probably all know is that youth can be extremely observant, even when we think they aren't. You can put them in Sunday school, in Wednesday night programs, but nothing, absolutely nothing, will be more impactful on their life than the example you set for them. My parents happened to be here this morning. I didn't tell them I was preaching, fun surprise. Um, I'm going to pick on them a little bit. There were rare occasions when growing up where we would miss a Sunday morning. But what I remember more were the times where we'd had a blizzard the night before, and to get to church, we had to open up a field and drive through a cornfield because it had less snow on it than the road. <laughs> we didn't always pray before every meal. But what I remember is dropping everything we had going on to go help someone. And I know there were times where money was tight, but I also remember during those times that my parents were faithful to their tithing. And when eventually in college, capable of making my own decisions, it became my own to get myself up and to go to church, to make the time to help people, and to do my part in giving back some of what God had provided for me. And I didn't make those decisions because I had to, but because I saw the importance of them and the example my parents had set for me. Sometimes, the best teaching moment is when you don't even realize your kids are paying attention. Sometimes we get too carried away in trying to be the great parent or grandparent, aunt, uncle, or whatever, we fail to realize that the solution to achieving this is by being obedient and faithful to God. And in doing so, whether by intention or not, those in our life will notice the things that we prioritize. And it'll be, it'll impact the way they prioritize their own life. As crazy as it sounds, Abraham had a choice of priorities up on that mountain. He could have prioritized fatherhood and what he needed to do to be able to protect his son by naturally not sacrificing him. <laughs> or he could prioritize being an obedient servant of God. Abraham chose the latter, and because of that choice, also achieved being a great father and the example of obedience he set for his son. And the same goes for us. If our priority is to be being obedient to God, then we will be good parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, or whatever. You will leave a heritage for those in your life. Your actions and the things you prioritize speak much louder than you may realize. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. My prayer this morning for the sake of our future generations is that the heritage you leave will be one of obedience and faithfulness to God. Will you pray with me? Dear God, um, I really am so thankful um, for the amazing blessings that you have placed in my life, uh, the, the people and, um, who have been so impactful and left me with such a great heritage. Help us all do that. Help us 
um, become obedient to you and in that um, show our family and our friends what truly matters. God, you give us so much and you, uh, you've done so much for us and it's, and it's not about necessarily having to teach those around us but just being loving to you and so that they can see what that provides to seeing what you can provide. Be with our congregation this morning and as they go out this week, place it on their hearts to to leave an inheritance, a heritage of obedience to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.